Thank you for listening to the Family Life Podcast. For more great content, visit thefamilylife.org. We hope you are blessed by today's message and will be encouraged to share it with someone you know. You may be seated this morning if you like. I'm going to be reading, and I apologize to an extent, uh, several scriptures. I want to first give honor to our pastor, praying for Pastor Noel and believing the Lord was give him a great time of refreshing. I'm going to be reading from the book of Acts extensively today, chapter 9, but I'm going to be somewhere else before I get into uh, the main thrust of what I would like to speak to you about today. Isn't the Lord good? Amen. You know, he can work situations out that you don't think can be worked out. He knows how to do it. Amen. Um, I want to talk to you today about plans. Plans. It's very general. In the beginning, it's be very basic. Every one of us have plans, right? Amen. You had to be quiet there. That's a good point to say amen. We all have plans, don't we? My guess is that some of you have plans for this afternoon. My suspicion is that many of you have plans for the rest of the day. All of us have plans for the week, maybe for the year. Maybe you have five-year plans. Maybe you have 10-year plans. Plans are a part of human nature. It is very natural, and in our human being, our process to begin plans. This is why the book of Proverbs is so full of descriptions about plans. Sometimes they're thoughts, sometimes they're imaginations, sometimes they're ways. But I want to read a few verses about plans before I get to the book of Acts today. The preparations of the heart and man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits, commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. And what the writer is saying there is that there are ways in our mind that seem absolutely right. They are plans. There are thoughts that are well put together, and and God will bless them. He will establish our thoughts as long as we are in his will and his mind. Proverbs 16.9, a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse number 5, the thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but of everyone that is hasty, only to want. And what the writer is describing to us is that we submit ourselves to the thoughts, the plans, the ideas that we have for ourselves. I want to go through a few and see if they resonate with you. We're told exactly what to do in education, right? There is a, an education plan. You can go to the bookstore today and there'll be an eating plan. There'll be a financial plan. If you want to read about wars, there's battle plans. If you want to read about athletics, there's game plans. To be even a little bit closer to home, when you're planning out your food for the week, you might make a list of groceries because you planned out your food for the week, right? 
And those are short-term plans, meal plans. I was interested, my aunt, uh, 84, I recently inquired about my Aunt Caroline. I said, how is Aunt Caroline doing at 84? She's frustrated. I said, why is she frustrated? It's for the first time in her life she's actually having to write down the items she needs from the grocery store. And I said to my stepmother, well, I'm 48 and I get lost in there without a plan as to what to buy and where to go. We understand that sometimes even the shortest, simplest plans can be confusing. We look over our lives and think of the long arc of what our future is to be and we have particular plans. We call it living with known unknowns. You know things are going to happen, you just don't know when. Because we, as human beings, love to plan. And the interesting thing about our planning is that plans that we do only go upward. None of us is making a plan to go backward. We only anticipate higher, 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 greater, 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 and our plans become as big as our thoughts become. And that's why the writer says, you've got to harness your thoughts because you never know exactly what's going to happen, and you're going to have to let the Lord establish your steps. Because left to our own devices, our plans can become so large and so enormous that they're outside of what God would have for us. This is why James warned in the book of James about the sin of making plans without God when he said, don't say to yourself, tomorrow we're going to go into the city and we're going to buy and we're going to sell and we're going to have favor and everything is going to be good because he said, you don't know what tomorrow holds. It is a sin to leave God out of your plans because plans left to themselves can be confining But I want to go one step further and say to you that plans themselves can also become comforting. When we speak about idolatry, we typically think of statues or different things. But do you know that there is a risk that our plan can become an idol to us? There is a sin of convenience and efficiency that we look around and try to pull to ourselves. I'm exactly going to do this at exactly that time, and and this is how it's going to go, and I have a, a good plan, a great plan, a perfect plan. And we become so devoted to our plan that we aren't available to God. Planning is easy. It's a commodity now. You can go to the bookstore this afternoon and for $19.95 buy a plan, as I mentioned earlier, over any different subject you need to if you want a better result, if you want a purposed outcome, if you want to narrow the risk of a wide range of outcomes. Because planning is from God, it starts in us, it's in our DNA. And anything that is in us, if not held by the Spirit, can lead to spiritual insignificance, carnality, and backsliding. There are people who have left the kingdom of God, the church of the living God, because their plans didn't go as they thought. It wasn't the pastor preached too hard, or they didn't like this, or they didn't like that. It's they didn't get the outcome that they wanted. And because the outcome wasn't what they planned, they planned the next thing you know, they step back from God and try to rewrite their plan on their own. 
Because planning can become addicting. And planning can become an idol. And planning can consume your time, your resources, your heart, and everything that you have to give. Let's go to the book of Acts chapter 9, and I want to speak to you today primarily about plans. Acts chapter 9 is really one of the most pivotal verses in the entire New Testament. It changes absolutely everything. And there are two men that I want to read about today that had plans. And Saul, this is Acts chapter 9, verse 1, and Saul, yet breathing, listen to this, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, meaning the Christians, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, what a plan. I want you to think of this. What a plan. Anyone he finds that is a Christian, a man or a woman, he wanted the right, he wanted the letters, he wanted the arrest warrant to arrest anyone who was a Christian. And he said this with thunderings and and threats, and he was angry. Look at this, this position of this man. His plan was to stop the church. His plan was to stop the gospel, the miracles, the deliverance, the preaching of Jesus. His plan was to put an end to what he described as heresy. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Here is a man who in just a few moments of supernatural interruption goes from anger and complete commitment to stopping a church to stopping the disciples, to stopping the preaching, the miracles, and everything. His anger was so enraged in him, he he went outside of what he normally had to do. He had just seen Stephen uh, that was stoned because as the first martyr, he knew what this was about. He knew how serious the Christians were about their faith. They weren't worried about a, a bad political scene, or they weren't worried about a meme or a commercial or anything like that. The, uh, the persecution was intense. We don't even know what persecution is, my brother and my sister. We complain about light things, but the reality is the church has faced much, much more difficult times. And Jesus said, by the way, for his name's sake, we would be hated of the world. We've had a pretty easy go, but the truth is that in this time, in this particular scenario, when the Lord spoke to this man, the first response from this man who had a plan to stop the church was, Lord, what will thou have me to do? It wasn't, it wasn't turn down the light. It wasn't letting me go. 
It wasn't, I just want to be free. I'm scared. I'm nervous. The first response was, Lord, what would you have me do? Because even the worst intentions and the people who tried to destroy the church found themselves coming completely against a wall. And the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. Because when God saved Saul, when God gave him this first call to his salvation, it was a, it was an absolutely monumentous moment in the time of the book of Acts because we had the man who was trying to stop the church stopped in the middle of his actions. A man with a plan was completely humbled. And the man who knew exactly what he was going to do now had to ask the question, what would you have me do? When was the last time you said to God, what would you have me do? Sinners arrested in the middle of what they're doing give out that call. Lord, what would you have me do? My question this morning is, when was the last time we said, Lord, what would you have me do? We know then that at the same time, Saul, the Bible says, arose from the earth and his eyes were opened. He saw no man. We understand that he was led by the hand into Damascus and he found himself in a room. At the same time all this was going on, this miraculous change in Saul's life, this moment where he meets the Savior and the Lord, who he knew in Hebrew would be Lord, said, I am Jesus, a tremendous moment for the mighty God in Christ doctrine. When we see this going on, everything that's happening in this man's life, down in the city, we see another man, a man by the name of Ananias. We don't know much about Ananias other than Paul in Acts chapter 22 when he was giving the report of his testimony said that Ananias was a devout man of the Jews. He was a man of good report. We don't know much about Ananias. We do know that he lived a life that had a good report. We do know that he was a devout man. We do know that he probably had some ups and some downs like everyone else. But but something kept this man, Ananias, in Damascus. Some type of lifestyle, some type of plan for life kept this man, Ananias, in Damascus. And we do know this. I don't know what he was doing that day. He might have been in prayer meeting. He might have been in an argument with his wife. I don't know what Ananias was doing at this moment and at this time. Because plans are long-arcing and big, but daily events happen. Everybody say amen. Daily events happen. What we do know is this. While God was dealing with Saul on the way to the city, inside the city there was a man whose plan was to be a good man, a devout man, to live for God, to be a man of the Jews. And the Bible says that the Lord in a vision said to Ananias, now I want you to notice something. Visions don't always come at the most convenient times. We would love to think that they do. Lord, wake me up in the middle of the night with a vision. Right when I'm at the peak of sleep, not in my deep sleep. Or Lord, give me a vision in the altar service so I know exactly what to do. Make this vision easy. Make this next spiritual step 
clear. Make this next spiritual step forward so easy and so clear and so complete that I cannot make a mistake because nobody wants to make a mistake and certainly not spiritually in front of everyone. And so Ananias is there and he says something that we would all say, right? He says, I am here, Lord. I don't know where he was at. I don't know what his location. All I know that in his heart, in his spirit, in his mind, when the Lord sent him a vision, all Ananias had to say was, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to stop. I'm here, Lord. I might be sitting down, writing down and plotting out the chart of my plans, but I'm going to step away. I'm here, Lord. I may be right in the middle of doing something that's going to be of great success to me. I'm here, Lord. Whatever he was doing, wherever he was at, he was willing at that moment to step aside and say, I am here, Lord. I wonder how many of us have been challenged by the inconvenience of the Lord giving us a vision, speaking to our heart, speaking to our mind, and we're willing just to say, I'm here, Lord. I'll put everything but putting everything down might change your plans. And that's why we have to be very careful about being addicted to plans. The Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. The Lord is giving a very clear, a very distinct direction. Don't you wish the Lord would do for this for you sometimes? I want you to go exactly to this house and ask for this person on this particular street. And here's why you're going, because he's praying. Most of the time we wonder, okay, God, what is next? What is this? What is that? I pray sometimes that God makes things so clear for us that we can't waver. But Ananias, Ananias has seen in a vision this man, and he, I'm sorry, the Lord says, and has seen a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. And then Ananias, a man that was willing just a verse before to say, I am here, Lord, said this, Lord, I have heard by many of this man, how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. Now, Ananias, is, he's, he's a shining figure here in the book of Acts, right? I mean, we're getting ready to see something really amazing happen. But I, when I read about Ananias, I see the real sincerity and the fear that many of us would probably have. In one verse, we're ready to say, I'm here, Lord. Yes, bring the vision on. I'm ready. I've been praying about this. I am ready to do whatever you want me to do. I'm ready to submit myself, whatever. And the next thing you know, the Lord tells him what the vision is. And Ananias' first response is, well, Lord, I've heard from many. I've heard from many. I wonder today how many of us aren't doing the things that God has in front of us because we've heard from many. I wonder how many of us have been able to kind of to shut, shut our ears to, to squelch out the sound of the many who would say there's danger, there's risk, that's foolish. Look what he's done. There's no hope. Forget about that guy. You don't know what he's going to do. The many were trying and everything that they had to say about this Saul around the dinner table, in the courts, in the streets, everything that he heard from everyone else was, be afraid. 
God can't do it. This guy is trying to harm. This guy is going to do you damage. This guy is going to bind you up and send you to Jerusalem. This man is a threat. I see myself somewhat in Ananias. Because I'm not so sure that if I was in the same situation that I wouldn't have some questions about the assignment that was in front of me. It wasn't my plan, God, to go down and and lay hands on the man who's trying to destroy the church. I was just trying to be good and devout and have a good reputation and a few people like me, a few people not like me, but that works out in the end. I'm trying to lead a quiet, peaceful life. And now you're asking me to put my life in danger? Sometimes the voice of many cloud the voice of God. How easy it is to take general consensus, public opinion polls. If you follow me around one day, you might think he's doing great. If you follow me around the next day, you might think, who is this person? And depending on which day I'm being reported on, the words of many might turn into something that I don't want. And what happens then is people begin to have doubts and fears about the future and concerns. Now we find ourselves in an assignment that is big. Hadn't happened before, won't happen again. This man's one moment in time. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Lord, I I would really much rather tell him how great things are going to be. I would really love to tell Saul, who's going to become Paul, that he's going to write more than half the New Testament. He's going to found churches. He's going to preach. There's going to be miracles. He's going to cast out devils. He's going to shake off snakes. But but I'm supposed to go there so that he knows what he's going to suffer? First, I'm scared, and now my message isn't that exciting. It's not what I planned on a Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock. It's not what I planned at age 45. It's not what I planned at age 55. It's not what I planned at age 25. Lord, what you're asking is bigger than me. It's scary. It doesn't make sense because my plans don't point that direction. And I'm addicted to my plans. Ananias went his way, entered into the house and putting his hands on him. And I've always loved this. Saints of the Most High, how do we address new people that come into the church. Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received straight forth with and arose and was baptized. You can read about that in Acts chapter 22 when he's defending himself. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then Saul certain days with the disciples at Damascus. So the man who started with the plan to destroy the church ended up having meat and recovering and strengthening with the same people he had planned to arrest. Because sometimes, hear me, sinner, 
Your plan can be so put together. Your plan can be so detailed. And God is not a part of it. But I've come to tell you, and this isn't 1970s Pentecostal preaching. This is the word of the Lord. God can interrupt your plan. Just like everyone sitting here, the ecclesia, the church, somewhere along the way, no matter your intentions, no matter how good you are, how bad you are, God has a way of bringing you to salvation. And just like Saul, it may be inconvenient, it may seem dramatic, but I've come to tell you, you can come to an altar, you can repent of your sins, you can be baptized in Jesus' name, and you can be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, just as the apostle Paul was when he was converted to Saul in that room in a street called Straight. So sinner, your plans can be so wonderful and perfect and only point upward. But I've come to tell you, God can get a hold of your heart and change. You know, God can change the hardest of hearts. He can turn hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. God has a way of doing that. To the saint of the Most High who's been around a while, who's kind of enjoyed what we now call favor and blessings, and you've seen God add, add, add to your life, and, and we've done the things that is naturally in our DNA. We've, we've planned out the future. We've plotted out what it's to be an American and how to be successful and what to do in America. We've, we've done all that. We've sat in the pew week after week after week and we've, we've watched spiritual things happen. We've been in prayer lines. We've been in prayer services. We've been in worship. We've shouted. We've danced. We've run. We've done just about everything as children of God. We've rejoiced with those who rejoice. We've wept with those who've wept. We've spoken tongues. We've raised our hands. We've done all kinds of things. And thank God every day that we have. But let's not become so addicted to the course of this world and planning that we can't say, I'm here, Lord, when God asks us to do something that is completely out of the norm. I want to tell you that God may not do this every day of your life, And sometimes we mistake that. We call that discontinuous change. Something that happens only a couple times in your life. But when it happens, it changes things forever. My brothers and my sisters, you may be just like this man, Ananias, minding your business. And one day, when you least expect it, the Lord may come into your mind, to your heart, may come to you by a vision and say, I want you to go down and pray for that person. But Lord, I don't want to pray for that person. The Lord may say, I want you to go witness to that person. But Lord, they're smarter than I am and I I, I can't compete with them intellectually. Has nothing to do with the calling of the Spirit. The Lord may say to you, I want you to walk into a business and ask for a financial miracle for the kingdom of God. Lord, I don't understand that. I know that sounds absolutely ridiculous, but I want to tell you that God is not afraid to do ridiculous things. He can make, he can make a way where there seems to be no way. We sang about it and God can open doors that no man can shut and God can do things that are amazing. But I wonder, Today, have we availed ourselves enough 
to be able, like Ananias, to say, I'm here, Lord, and even with a bit of hesitancy, go forward and do what the Lord would ask us. What are we fighting today? We're fighting a lot of things. It's not the old vices that we used to preach so much about. Today we're fighting the mind. We're fighting 27 ways of life. Live any way you want to. There's nothing wrong with any one of those ways. It's your choice. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's a way that seems right to him. And I come back to that today because we're fighting it. Our young people are fighting it. Our middle-aged people, everyone is fighting, fighting, fighting. People doing things their own way. What else are we fighting? We are fighting an addiction to perfect outcomes with plans. Jesus said, to fall on the rock and be broken. Lest the rock fall on you and crush you. And so we endure along with the people we don't like, the offenses that we have. We feel good after a few songs. We get lifted up a few Sundays. But what's missing is this opportunity to say, Lord, I'm available to you. Used to sing that song, I'm available to whatever you have. I'm available to what you have. I'm available to your voice. I'm available to serve. I'm available to use my energy. I'm available to use whatever I have, just like Ananias. You don't know who God is working on that you may come in contact with this week. By the way, this isn't the last time this happens. In Acts chapter 10, a good man, a devout man, a man that prayed, gave alms, a very stern and sterling Christian, a man by the name of Cornelius. The Lord said to him, I want you to go down to the house and find Peter. At the same time that he had a vision, the Lord gave Peter a vision, and he began and he witnessed to Cornelius one of the greatest stories of salvation. All because plans that were meant for good, a part of our nature, that can be handled right or handled wrong were interrupted and the Spirit of God led. Let's stand if we could this morning. And I want us to open up this altar today and I want us to come down and pray a different prayer. Is that okay? When we open up the altars, we often think, we often come down to ask God for something, to thank God for something, to repent over something, and to try to find an answer for something. But today, I want to open this altar to anyone who just wants to make themselves available to God. Now, this isn't the easiest prayer to pray. Because to get to this place, you may have to forgive. To get to this place... You may have to lay aside some plans. To get to this place, you may have to step back from some safety nets. This is the next level of spirituality. When we come down and say, God, I'm going to avail myself to you. It may be an uncomfortable conversation. It may be an uncomfortable scenario with someone on the outside. I don't know, but God... I want to be available to what you say. And the next thing I want you to do is I want you to bring your plans down to the altar. No matter what they are, good, bad,
had great plans, no matter what they are, godly, carnal, leisure, spiritual, no matter what they are, bring them down to this altar and say, God, I allow you to look at my plans and maybe you want to change a couple items in here that I, through carnality, have written out into completion. This altar is open. Whosoever will may come. This altar is open. Anyone who would like to come down and just renew your availability unto the Lord, this is the time. Anyone who would like to come down and say, God, I want to be ready for the call. This altar is open to you. Anyone who might say, Lord, I'm ready to take another look at my plans. They seem so right. They seem so perfect. I just want to invite you to take a look. In Jesus' name.